Of all the things you lost during the last two plus years of COVID, what loss have you felt most deeply or what losses have you experienced most profoundly? Losses, whether permanent or temporary. You know, we've all lost things during COVID. Maybe, it, maybe what you felt was the loss of not being able to travel where you wanted, when you wanted, or maybe just simply the loss of being able to, to be with people and to hug a friend or to see family. Some people during COVID these last two years have lost income. Some have lost their jobs. Some have lost businesses altogether. Some have lost their health. Others lost their lives. Some of you kids or uh, parents of kids or grandparents of grandkids, you know, kids um, finished grade eight or finished high school or college or university and lost the graduation in terms of an in-person uh, ceremony and celebration. Maybe it had to be digital. Um, or maybe it was just kind of a get your diploma in the mail uh, sort of thing. Two of our kids uh, got married in the last two years during times of um, gathering limitations. And so there were um, elements in their um, in their ceremonies and in the wedding celebration that they would love to have experienced and enjoyed, but had to be significantly curtailed or dropped altogether. I know loved ones who lost the opportunity to be with dying family members in hospital or um, in nursing home. You don't get a do-over on that. You don't get a second chance to be with a loved one when they pass away. Deep, painful, stinging losses, both temporary and permanent. And so what we're doing in, um, in these weeks, um, in this uh, current teaching series, we're, we're looking at things that are unlosable, unbreakable, unshakable, untakeable, steadying and anchoring truth that can hold us firm even when things around us are changing, even when the things that we uh, move on, let's look at the next uh, few verses in the Second Peter 1 passage. This is verses 5 to 7. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. That's quite a list. Some, some people will look at that and start to feel tense and start to feel pressure. Maybe you're, um, maybe you're kind of a type A personality and you love lists, all right? So you might be thrilled to see this. This might actually uh, wind you up and say, yes, finally, I've got a list and you're pulling out your yellow pad and getting out your pen. Or 
maybe, maybe you've got some OCD tendencies and that's why you love lists. And yeah, I can check these off and nail them off. And, uh, and um, you know, I can, I can create an agenda and I can create a schedule. Well, let's see, um, you know, what, what, what's first in this list? Okay, uh, faith, okay, so uh, faith, let's see. Monday, um, I'm gonna work on faith. That's gonna be faith day, what's next? Um, moral excellence, okay, Tuesday is, is gonna be moral excellence day. Uh, Wednesday is gonna be knowledge, I'm gonna work on that. You know, we could take that kind of an approach to this list, a very human approach, a rather self-effort, uh, do better, try harder, grit your teeth, pull up your socks and get it done kind of thing. Or better, we could notice the first few words of that, of that paragraph again. Now for this very reason. What reason? Well, what did we just read? We read that we are partakers of the divine nature. So how are you, for instance, going to supply moral excellence like we read? How are you going to do that? Where is that moral excellence going to come from? It's gonna come from the Christ who lives in you. You're a partaker of the divine nature. Christ in you, Christ through you. So moral excellence is supplied from the divine nature that inhabits you. It's Christ in you and it's Christ through you. Don't miss that. That is so important. That is a foundational truth. Don't miss the, don't miss the foundation. Don't miss the source of this. The source is not you and your best efforts. The source is the Christ who lives in you and then through you. That's the source of these godly characteristics. Well, let's, uh, let's read a little bit more of the 2 Peter 1 passage. This is verse seven again, and then we'll include verse eight. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they do not make you useless nor unproductive in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can see this, this is about knowing Jesus. And if you really know what Jesus is like, this Christ who is in you, if you really know what Jesus is like, then Christ through you is gonna result in kindness, it's gonna result in love, it's gonna result in, in a softness. Christ uh, in you and through you is not gonna result in rigidity and strictness and judgment. You're not gonna be a jerk. Uh, you're gonna be an expression of Jesus. And again, remember, where does this all come from? It comes from the Christ who is in you, the Christ who has given you a new heart, a, a heart that's compatible with him and he lives in you. That's the source, that's the foundation. It's not you and your best efforts, it's, it's the Christ who lives in you. You're a partaker of the divine nature. And look at this ninth verse um, in 2 Peter 1. For the one who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. What does my life look like if I forget my purification from my former sins, if I forget my forgiveness? I'm just gonna walk around feeling guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. I'm gonna walk around like 
I am simply the sum total of all of my past sins. I'm going to walk around identifying myself with the past. But if I remember my forgiveness, well, then I can live in the present. If I remember my forgiveness, then I can approach God with, with boldness and with confidence, knowing that before him, I'm a 10 out of 10. Even though I punched somebody, even though I broke the law, even though I injured somebody, even though others pointed their fingers of accusation at me and said, he did it, he's the one, and all I could do was say, yep, I'm guilty. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, forgiven. Jesus says, forgotten. So friends, let me ask you this today. Are you looking at the size of your sin or are you looking at the size of your savior? Are you looking at the size of your sin or are you looking at the size of your forgiveness? Don't identify yourself with your sin. Identify yourself with your savior. And when you remember, instead of forgetting, your forgiveness, your purification from your sins. Well, then you can live in today and you don't have to live in yesterday. You don't have to live in the past. You can live in the now. You know, remember the, remember the scene where God is uh, speaking with Moses and Moses says, well, if I, if I go and I say to the, to the people of Israel that God has told me to say this, who, who, what if they ask me uh, what your name is? And God says, tell them I am has sent you. I am. God is not going to fixate on your past. He's I am. He's going to relate to you um, on the basis of your new nature. He's going to relate to you on the, on the basis of the fact that you have been made the righteousness of Christ. He's going to relate to you on the fact that you're a, a slave of righteousness. He's not going to relate to you on the basis of your track record. Christian, God is relating to you right now on the basis of the fact that in Christ you've been made the righteousness of God. Here's something crazy to think about. You, Christian, are as righteous as Jesus Christ is righteous. Everything that belongs to Jesus by nature now belongs to you by grace. That's an incredible thing to think about. He relates to you perfectly. You're a partaker of the divine nature. He is perfect towards you. And you know what, if you, don't, if you don't realize that, one huge step in that direction is simply this, remember your forgiveness. Remember, don't forget, but remember your forgiveness. You know, Peter says, or have you forgotten? Or have you forgotten? Are you relating to God as if yesterday's sins matter as some sort of an obstacle in your relationship with God today? Let me tell you, that's a lie. Christian, that is a lie. If you are looking at your past sins as some sort of an obstacle in your relationship with God today, that is a lie. It is a lie of the enemy. The enemy will perch on your shoulder and whisper that lie in your ear all day long if you allow him to. Remember, remember, don't forget. Remember your forgiveness. 
Remember your purification. He's taken your sins away. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed them from you and he remembers them no more. You know, I could, I could pray to God right now and I could say, God, you know, I punched that kid in the nose. Man, God, could you, could you please forgive me for that? You know what God's gonna say? He's gonna say, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Forgiven, forgotten. He remembers them no more. Well, the final point that we want to uh, cover today, well, let's look at all three points. God's forgiveness propels our love for him and for each other. God's forgiveness propels us to display godly qualities. And then finally, God's forgiveness propels our forgiveness of others. There's uh, several passages that we could look at that, that uh, outline how God's forgiveness propels us in terms of forgiving other people, but there's a couple that uh, we'll just look at, a couple simple ones. Um, first off, this is uh, Colossians 3, so here's Paul. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another. Again, where do these qualities come from? Is this based on our self-effort? No, again, it's the Christ who lives in you, Christ in you and Christ through you. You're a partaker of the divine nature. Jesus Christ is in you. He is all of these things. And, and uh, so put on what's been put in. So the Christ who is in you uh, is the Christ being reflected through you. And forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also. You know, look at that, look at that first line again. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. I know we're talking about forgiveness, but I was just thinking about those, those words. That's identity. That's identity. We're going to be talking a little bit more in depth in uh, three weeks about our identity in Christ and how that is an untakeable, steadying, anchoring truth in our lives. Um, think of, let that soak into you right now. Think about it. Christian, you are chosen of God, holy and beloved. You are dearly loved by God. That's an amazing thing. So forgiving each other just as the Lord forgave you. Should you go around forgiving people conditionally? Should you go around forgiving people with strings attached? Should you go around forgiving people uh, only when they show up and apologize? Should you go around forgiving people only when their behavior changes? No. We don't forgive people because their behavior changes. We forgive people because God forgave us. God forgave me before my behavior changed one lick. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, here's something, I was gonna say this is something crazy. I guess it's not crazy. It's radical and it's outrageous, I guess. Let me say that. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord, when you become a Christian, when you say yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. 
So day one, you're forgiven. Moment one of day one. You've been a Christian for one second, your sins are forgiven. Before you ever attend a church service, before you ever read one word of the Bible, before you ever love anybody, before your behavior changes at all, you are perfectly and fully, completely forgiven by God in Christ. Moment one of day one of your new life in Jesus with no strings attached. That's an outrageous, glorious truth to just let sink into our souls today. Well, here's another passage. This is Paul again, but uh, from Ephesians this time, Ephesians 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Again, where does that come from? What's the source? Is it you trying hard to be kind and compassionate? No, it's Christ in you and Christ through you. Christ is kind. He is compassionate. Uh, it's the Jesus who is in you uh, being expressed through you. Again, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. When you look at your past, and I know you do because I do, it's a natural thing for us to do, even as Christians, to do that because we're reflective people. I think there are some who would, who would rather uh, simplistically say, well, don't look at your past anymore. Just, just look forward. And, and that'd be, uh, I guess that would be okay. But we do look at our past. We even reflect on our past sins, don't we? If we're honest. And I think, I think it's important. Um, we must learn from the past. If we don't learn from the past, we're, we're uh, likely to repeat some of those same mistakes again. So we can learn from the past. I think for some of us, it's important to look to the past because maybe some of us still have unhealed wounds from the past where we need to invite Jesus in to bring healing. And sometimes we do reflect on our past failures and sometimes we do reflect on our past sins. But let me encourage you today. In fact, let me plead with you and beg with you, uh, beg you, when you look at your past, Look for the cross. When you examine your past, look for the cross. If you really want to examine something from the past, make sure you examine the cross. Examine what God says about your sins. Don't leave that out of the equation. And what does God say about your sins? Forgiven, forgotten, not an issue, over. What did Jesus say on the cross? He said, it's finished. Tetelestai is the Greek word, means paid in full. In full, it's finished. That's what, you know, if, if you want to examine things from the past, I get it, but let's examine that. Let's examine the cross. Let's examine what Jesus has done. Let's examine what God says about our sins, forgiven, forgotten. Well, friends, the last you know, two plus years of life in COVID has been, you know, maybe, maybe kind of a wake up call of sorts where we've been confronted with the reality that many of the things that we just took for granted and counted on that would, they'd always be there, 
that they'd be stable and secure, while far shakier than we ever could have imagined. And so we've lost some things. But one thing that you can absolutely count on, absolutely count on, is the unshakable, unbreakable, untakeable, steadying, anchoring truth of the biblical message of once for all forgiveness that you, Christian, are totally forgiven by God in Christ, past, present, and future. So again, just quickly, these three points. God's forgiveness propels our love for him and for other people. God's forgiveness propels us to display godly qualities. And God's forgiveness propels our forgiveness of others. So next week, we're going to talk about the grace of God, again, as an untakeable, uh, steadying, anchoring truth that can hold us firm. And you know, we're going to ask some of the same questions about the grace of God that we've just been asking these last uh, today and last week about the forgiveness of God. Is it a dangerous message? Is it risky to share? Well, we've, I think, come to the conclusion that no, the message of forgiveness is not risky and dangerous. Well, it is, but only for the enemy. It's not dangerous for us because it leads us to love God and people more. It leads us to display godly characteristics and it propels us to forgive others the same way that God has forgiven us. And so the message of God's grace is a message that is dangerous, but only for the enemy. Only for the enemy. The enemy does not want you to embrace the truth of your forgiveness in Christ. He wants to hold you captive to your past. And the enemy does not want us to embrace the, the message of the grace of God. And some people think the message of, of God's grace is like, oh, you know, we, we can't emphasize the grace of God too much because it's just going to be like this free-for-all. But here, here's a little um, uh, a glimpse into next week and what we find in the scripture about the grace of God. This is from Titus 2, uh, verse 12. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, the grace of God, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And it teaches us, the grace of God, it teaches us to, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So rather than the grace of God being a dangerous message for us, it's dangerous for the enemy because look what it does. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Well, let me say this in closing to you. Christian, I want you to know today that God is pleased with you. He's pleased with you. I want you to know today that God's smile, God's smile is on you. He's pleased with you. His face is toward you. Now, let's be honest. He's not pleased with everything you do. He's not pleased with all of your behavior. He's not pleased with all of your attitudes. But you, Christian, are not your behaviors. You, Christian, are not your attitudes. You are chosen of God. You are holy. You are beloved. 
You're a partaker of the divine nature. Christ lives in you. You have a new heart. Jesus has cleaned house and he's moved in. He lives in you. You're a slave to righteousness. You are perfectly forgiven. You are perfectly cleansed. You are perfectly made righteous. You are a perfectly brand new creation in Christ, made perfectly righteous by the one offering of Jesus Christ on the cross. His face is towards you. He loves you. He likes you. He embraces you. For by one offering, the one offering of Christ, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Well, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you today for your love. We thank you for your tender-hearted love toward us. And sometimes we think that we should be punished for the things that we've done. Sometimes we feel like we deserve so much worse. And we actually do. But that you, Father, have taken it upon yourself in sending your Son. And we accept that your Son made the final sacrifice, the final offering for sin. There is no punishment left that we will never be punished for our, for our sins. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That you will never raise our sins at any judgment seat. Thank you, God, for remembering our sins no more. We embrace you today, Jesus. We embrace the cross. We embrace your incredible, lavish grace. And we embrace your boundless, total forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.